You are listening to episode 50. This episode is brought to you by my new course, How to Dominate LinkedIn with Your Personal Brand. Do you feel like when you're on the LinkedIn platform, you're not really sure how to actually navigate it? Does it feel clunky or confusing? And do you have all these connections, but you're not sure how to really leverage those connections and how to really show up virtually in presenting your personal brand? Well, that is what this course is about because since September, I've gone from 1,500 connections to about 8,000 connections on LinkedIn. Not only that, I've gotten clients through my content and people have actually reached out to me to speak for virtual speaking engagements. So if this is something that you would really like to capitalize on and take advantage of, and learn about, then this course is definitely for you. And you can learn about it more uh, in my show notes and I will have the link to the waitlist just for you. And now on with the show. On today's episode, I get the honor of being the very first interviewer of this particular guest. Her name is Tajmir Gathers and she is the founder of DM Firm. A decade of work in the nonprofit sector She began to use a lot of her different skills that she gathered through her different work experiences to really position herself as someone who helps people really develop their business. And what a great skill to have and what a great time to have this skill. In fact, during the pandemic, she has seen a lot of need for her services. So Tajmir and I actually connected through a Slack channel run by the Black Professional Tech Network, which is amazing because they literally connect Black professionals from US and Canada and even Nigeria on this Slack channel. There's literally thousands of people on there. So when I put out the message that I wanted more guests on my show, she was one of them. And let me tell you, you you're in for a treat. She is based in New York and has a lot of knowledge to share on today's podcast. Also, if you have been enjoying my podcast, I would be so honored if you would not only subscribe, but if you could leave a comment and review. This helps my podcast get seen by even more people who could really benefit from the content that I'm putting out. And really, that is my desire to share education and value and inspiration for people trying to pursue their passions. So if that resonates with you, I would love if you do that. And that would mean so much. And on with the episode. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fian O'Bayan. You are listening to the sounds of everyone and welcome to the Okiki podcast and today I'm so excited to have a very special guest 
Her name is Tajmir Gathers. And actually, we connected through the Black Professional Tech Network on Slack. So I'm so excited to have her on the show today because we are not at all in the same region. And I'm I'm so pumped to hear what she's up to. Uh, She has a company called DM Firm, and she has spent a decade working with entrepreneurs in the nonprofit sector. So without me going on, I will let her share her story. And thank you so much for coming to the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I was so excited about even being considered to be on the podcast. So I'm so excited to share what I've been up to. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And I guess we'll start there. What was your journey? Like you said, you worked in the nonprofit sector with entrepreneurs for a decade. So how did you actually get into that space? And yeah, what was your journey in your career and, and what you're doing today? Oh, so my journey has been more like a roller coaster ride. So I graduated with bachelor's in history in 2018, like right into the recession here in the States. And so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. I ultimately decided to go to grad school for urban planning. And so I went to grad school for urban planning and I immediately started working in nonprofits, specifically in economic development. So my first real job out of grad school was working for an organization doing reporting on childcare businesses. If you're familiar with that, it's basically people who have a home daycare. And so I was working on doing the reporting on the metrics of all these women from all these different backgrounds who were creating their own civility in their homes. And that was really exciting. From there, I went to work at another organization where I worked with industrial businesses. And so that's your light manufacturing folk. So I worked with them and then I left that job and then I went on to work for a business improvement district, which Canada is like the home of the first business improvement district in the world. So I went to work for a business improvement district where I worked on app development, website design, program management, economic management in Harlem. And while I was doing all of that, I took a marketing class. And in this marketing class, I was learning all of these tricks and tweaks and tools that I was really sharing with my friends who wanted to start their own brand. And so they really encouraged me to become an entrepreneur. And I kept telling them like, no one's going to pay for this. This isn't that serious. They can go and Google these things. This is this is nothing. And they kept saying, Tashmir, yes, it is. You need to open up a business. You need to share this information with entrepreneurs. And so I lightly started telling people like, hey, I think I'm going to be freelancing, actually doing marketing first. And I got my first client whose name is Kimberly Davis from Now Rogers as my first actual client. And that is when really the birth of the company happened was when I got her as a client. And that was in April of 2017. I continued to work on my business plan, my business development, what products, what services I was going to be offering while I had a full-time job. Probably two years into operating, I realized that my client's were telling me that they wanted marketing, but what they really needed was business development. They had totally skipped doing market research, figuring out what their branding was, 
figuring out why they're charging the price that they're charging for either their services or their products. They had literally went from having a concept or idea straight into market and skipped everything in between. And so I decided to pivot my business to actually give them the tools in order to really understand what their business was. How are they going to articulate their business to other entrepreneurs without giving out their secret sauces? How to interview experts. Every brander isn't the same. Every marketer isn't the same. Every PR agent isn't the same. So just how are you really going to get what you need out of bringing on experts or freelancers or interns, however you're going to build your workforce to get what you want to get and to grow the way that you need to grow in a way that is sustainable and that's going to be able to leave a legacy for your family. So that was the journey. I think that's really cool because personally, you're going through all those different types of courses and skills you're building. And you were, I guess, doing the market research just through conversation to go like, oh, people need this. Let's try this. And then it became even more client discovery. <laughs> like, oh, like they're saying they want this, but this is what where the gap actually is. And I mm-hmm. think that's a really um, good thing to share with our audience, because I know myself included, I kind of just started my company and just went out there (laughs) and like it's been a few years now but the result is a lot of pivoting of course because you're discovering along the way and Mm -hmm. there's obviously the hard way of learning and then there's the easier way of learning so what you're proposing is like of of course the easier way of learning is actually finding out like what do people actually want what do people actually need does my business fit that gap I think that seems very relatable, even like probably in the tech space, but sometimes we don't always bring that to the business side. So thanks for sharing that. So you had a really interesting way of just slowly gathering like these clients, like you said, and that offering. So what were some of the initiatives that you took then to create that brand awareness? And when you really felt like, okay, I got something here, what were some of the steps you took to make that so much bigger? So I got really a lot of my branding from listening to my audience. I'm very audience customer driven. I don't create things that my audience hasn't told me explicitly they need this. Um, And once I hear it from enough people, I'm like, okay, I need to fill this need and I need to create either a service, a product, a program, or something to do it. I really started with my branding from my inner network. So I didn't necessarily go out and think about brand colors and look and feel because my business operates on services first. And so the service is really trying to connect with where are my clients. So I went back to nonprofits. That's where I had came from. And so I went back into the nonprofit space. I started networking with people that I used to work with, that I wanted to work with, that I was currently working with. And I'm like, hey, this is what I'm doing. If you have any people that want this service, send them to me. I actually started doing things for free. Because I needed to have that proof of concept before I actually put a price tag on it. And while I was doing things for free, I got a lot of feedback around pricing. What were like the highest people were willing to pay? What was the lowest someone was willing to pay? How was I able to meet in the middle around services? I got a lot around tweaking. What would I give someone that was paying me full price, whether someone that was paying me a reduced price? And so I got a lot of my branding really from word of mouth. And recently, probably during the last year, 
I got a lot of advice around, we want to see your face. I used to hide behind the post all the time. And it was just still wording all the time. And then everyone kept saying, we want to see you. We want to see your face. So I started doing videos. And so now my Instagram feed is full of videos that I post up probably at least once or twice a week, just giving out different tips. So I really have a lot of my branding is baked into what my customers are telling me they want and not me trying to provide something that they haven't identified is what they want, but I think that they need it. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And I feel like you're dropping a lot of gems uh, for the audience listening today. I hope they're catching your process because that is the best way to go about it is seeing the data, seeing, you know, what are people actually saying? How are they responding? So that's really important. And one of the things I noticed in your bio is that your clientele has gone beyond where you're based. So you actually have clients as far as the Netherlands. So what was your process in branching out internationally? How did you create that brand, of course, because you didn't have the direct conversations mm-hmm. in person, I'm assuming, or maybe you traveled before COVID? So it was really word of mouth again has been like my blessing of really providing quality service, even though I might have a smaller team right now, but really making sure that not based on the team size, but based on the quality of what I'm providing and my customer service that I'm giving to anyone that I'm working with is really top notch. And so I was referred to this client for someone that I worked when we were both working on a project together for a client that we didn't we didn't know each other before then. So I'm really big at building relationships. I want to know the people that I'm working with, whether they're my client, whether we're working on a team that a client has put together, whether we are thinking about partnering or collaborating with each other. I really want to get to know the people that I'm kind of sharing space and time with. And so from there, he really referred this client from the Netherlands to me. And I said, oh, my gosh, that's so great. Um, So I worked with that person for maybe about a month or two. And I just continued to think about how do I become a very robust leader in my industry and not be pigeonholed into a particular demographic of location? So how can I travel How can I morph myself and really figure out how my skill sets, my services, my products, um, my program is interchangeable in different regions? And so that has been the driving factor for that. Yes. And one of the things you mentioned is how important relationship is and how important networking is in that process. So I kind of want to segue to like another type of question. (laughs) How have you been able to uh, keep that momentum during the pandemic? Because of course, that has really changed a lot of these normal business practices. What are some of the trends you were personally seeing? So I was always virtual. I was virtual from the beginning because I was working full time. I had to be virtual. I couldn't always take business meetings unless they were after work or on the weekend. And so part of my my infrastructure was that I had to do phone calls. I had to do WhatsApps. I had to do video calls. So a lot of people that worked with me were already accustomed to that. So from that perspective, when COVID happened, I didn't necessarily need to all of a sudden figure out how I was going to transition into being a virtual business because I was I was more or less doing that anyway. 
for me, it really opened up opportunities to meet new people because now everyone that was so into doing coffees and dinners and lunches and brunches, that was off the table. So now they all had to come online, which is where I was already comfortable being. And so I was just able to meet more people. I feel like COVID made people a lot more welcoming to doing collaborations, to doing partnerships, to actually having dialogue with other entrepreneurs that they might not have considered had it not been COVID. And so I found that a lot of people were a lot more welcoming to working with me or even talking to me than they might have been pre-COVID. So COVID didn't necessarily hinder my business as far as relationships and networking. I probably have done more of that and met more people during COVID than I did pre-COVID, where I was more or less chasing people down to try to get them to want to hear what I wanted to say. And because what I was offering was definitely serving a need at the time, everybody was looking to figure out how they were going to pivot. Everyone was like, hey, wait, hold on. COVID is here. What do I do? I kind of want to do e-commerce. I want to add this on. I want to add that on. But I don't really know how to do it. So I was kind of positioned really nicely in order to be an option for people to come and patronize. Yeah, I really like how you brought that up, how um, you were already like in position and you already kind of had like a system in place that really accommodated that. Similarly, like I know a lot of people were introduced to Zoom for the first time during COVID. I had been using it for podcasting. So it was really interesting to see everyone suddenly discover this app. (laughs) And it's like, hey, I'm already here. I'm, I'm already, I'm already set up. I already have things together. The only thing that did come up during COVID that I created was a program called the Jumpstart. And that was because a lot of people were changing from a side hustle into a formal business purely for survival. Either like they lost their job, their hours were cut, they now had free time to think about their real passions in life and what they wanted to do. And so that was one thing that was birthed out of COVID, um, was really feeling that need as people were scrambling, trying to figure out just what they were going to do in order to pay the bills if their business or the company that they were working for were, were no longer available to them. And so that was one, one thing that I didn't necessarily expect to create programming so quickly. I had the concept of programs that I wanted to create maybe a year prior, but COVID really brought that to life. Yeah. And if you don't mind, can we like continue on that thought? Because uh, you're obviously in a much bigger city than I, <laughs> if not the one of the biggest in the world. I would assume that you would see the direct impact economically, like at a much larger scale than a lot of other places have seen in terms of, like you said, job loss. That was a huge thing during COVID. And again, gave the option to create something that would fill that gap in the market. So I guess my question is along those trends, Was there like a huge demand for that course all of a sudden? And what are some of the biggest things that you found people asking about or being excited about or really inquiring about given such a shift in the economy, shift with companies? And like you said, just trying to find out what are we going to do next? How are we going to survive? 
So really what I found when COVID first happened here in New York, as it related to my clientele, which might be, you know, more broadly for other people, were that some businesses had to just shut down, right? They were like, you cannot be open at all. And that really halted all their revenue, but they still had to figure out how to pay the rent for that brick and mortar space, right? So those customers were really trying to figure out how do I access capital? So for the first few months, it was really a lot of information sharing around different um, loan programs, different things that you can really do. As people started getting more used to life and COVID, then it started becoming like, hey, I have this idea that I want to do it, my friends, or I have loosely been doing this idea, but COVID woke me up. I can't rely on these people's jobs to pay my bills anymore. I need to figure out how I'm going to be self-sufficient and how do I do that? That was really the biggest question was not what should I do, but how do I do it? Where do I start? Do I start getting an Instagram page and a Facebook page? Do I start a podcast? Do I start selling products? Do I make something in my kitchen? Do I make a service? Just where do I start was like the first question. The second question that came was, of course, how do I market and how do I make money? But baked into all of those topics was how do I articulate what I'm doing to other people? Because COVID had brought out so many, and is still bringing out so many different kinds of emotions and loss and grief and difficult conversations to have that how do I sell now? Because you have to always preference everything. There was life pre-COVID, there's life during COVID, and we have no idea what life is going to be like after COVID. So what you were doing pre-COVID may or may not work right now, you know, like that going in for that hard sale and being a used car salesman might not really work for your audience right now because people want to be touchy-feely. They want to know about your day, where you're from, how long you've been doing this, what your passions are, what do you feel your purpose is. So selling might look and feel a lot different than, hey, I've made this product. I have this service and it costs $20. It costs $1,200. It costs $2,000. Pay for it because some people might have to decide whether they want to spend that money on you or whether they want to spend that money on something else. And so trying to find that balance of how do you play chess is really important. Yeah, thank you for uh, getting into that, because that's (laughs) something I personally was curious about. Of course, we see different kind of things on the news, but I think for people who had opportunities to work with people directly in that situation, I think it's always a valuable thing to hear. What were they feeling? What were their experiences and how were you able to help? In light of that, I'd love to like get into what it is like for a company that is working with you, if you don't mind walking through that process. I know you said here you focused a lot on nonprofits, but is that still your main target or is that still your main audience? Yeah. What is the process of a client doing business development with you? 
To clarify, I network with nonprofits. I hardly ever work with them though. I just like network and probably partner with them on some projects, but they aren't monthly clients. And so how it usually works is if a client finds me, however they find me through watching my IG videos or someone told them about me, it's usually more onboarding process than a hard sell, to be quite honest. And so it usually works with like an email or they call me and then we schedule actual consultation because I need to understand what are you doing? Why are you doing it? What are you selling? How long have you been selling? What has worked? What hasn't worked? And what are you hoping to get if we work together? I need to know all of that, right? And then from there, I draft up what I call is a scope of work. So I'll say, hey, from this call, this is what I heard. And so there might be some back and forth going on because our language might be different. Because when someone is saying, I want to be able to hire a marketer, sometimes what I hear is that I want to have a sales funnel. To me, those are two totally different things when you're talking about a go-to-market strategy versus a sell funnel development. Those are two different things that rely on knowing your audience. I need to make sure we are on the same page. What are you really saying you need? And so that goes into the scope of work. And we might go back and forth reading all of the nooks and crannies into all of the services or products that you're telling me you want me to help you hash out and brainstorm in your timeline. From there, it depends on if you want to work with me as your business coach, which has a different model. So my business coaching model is really, we might do bi-weekly phone calls, right? And so that is definitely not as expensive as I want to be a private client and I want to talk to you probably once a week or twice a week and you have deliverables. So those are two different tiers of different types of clientele that I have. And so, but they both get a scope of work. From the scope of work and the duration of time, then we have a timeline of when we're going to start working and when we're going to check in. So even though I might be talking to you bi-weekly or in some cases weekly, we still have to schedule check-ins to make sure you're getting what you need and I'm getting what I need in order to really help you move your business forward because I don't take my clients' businesses and I'm like a wizard just making things move. I really want my customers to really understand why certain decisions are being made, because at some point in time, they're not going to need me anymore, but they still need to understand why did I choose to be on this platform versus that platform? Why is this my number one audience and this is maybe my secondary audience? Why do I have these services versus those services? Like They really need to know this if they're going to survive for any duration of time. And so I really design our interactions to accommodate that. Yeah, that's really cool. And thanks for walking through that because I want our audience to have a clear idea of what you actually do. So thank you. Another question I wanted to ask too is where do you see DM Firm in the next five years? I have a goal that I think is very doable. I want to be able to have my clients get the kind of investments that they need, whether that's going up for pitch competitions and winning and expanding and growing, 
whether that's going on Shark Tank and killing it up there and like really knowing their valuations and really being to, able to articulate their businesses, well, that is really the direction of where I want to go. I want to be seen as a premier business development company that you come to to get your mind right when you want to do business, that you're saying like, I'm going to do this. This is how it's going to work. And I know that if I put in the effort and I put in the time that I have a really great chance of being successful. And so I'm always um, getting new tools in my arsenals, thinking about things that my clients need, thinking about the directions that I see certain industries going in and how do I help my clients fill those needs very strategically or creatively, depending on their own personal backgrounds and capacities. So I just want to be able to be a robust business development firm. I love it. Yeah, I think it's super cool and super necessary. It kind of reminds me, although, yeah, this one's an actual, I think they're a nonprofit in Canada called Pitch Better. They focus on Black female entrepreneurs. Kind of like that idea. They just noticed there's a lot of gaps between what you said, like people actually knowing how to like what to do to actually launch the business. So I think what you're saying is super valid, super important. And valuation is so hard. Oh my goodness. Like for, especially when people are super new to that area, if it's tech, it's like, what is all this? So I'm really excited to see you really begin to fill in that gap in a serious way. And thank you for articulating that so well. I always like that question because I like to see how people dream, you know, and sometimes it can be a little bit like daunting or like, oh, I I don't think that far. But I think even having that vision, you could at least have the steps to get there. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so many valuable tips in this interview today. I wanted to give you a chance to share if you have any kind of launches or specific things coming up with our audience before uh, we wrap up this really awesome interview. (laughs) So I definitely have a jumpstart workshop series that I do. Um, The schedule is always changing right now. I have a few slated for the end of the year. And those are usually live. So it's me actually teaching the material and I'm interacting with my entrepreneurs and answering their questions. We meet bi-weekly. And so that program is a donation only model, which is super dope because there's no barrier for financial commitment. And so whatever you want to pay during or after the workshop series is up to you. I also bring in experts for you to be able to ask your specific questions that you have, whether it's around branding, marketing, taxes, revenue streams, how to do a buy-sell agreement, how to do your valuations, how to do cybersecurity, whatever I feel will benefit the group the most. I go out and I find the entrepreneurs to come and give their time to really give back to you. I also have started with another brand, something that we're calling the brunch pitch competition, which is literally, um, you're going to give us your name, the name of your business, if you're doing product services or both, and just why you started your business in order to enter the pitch competition. So you can do that at brunchpitch at gmail.com. If you're interested in any of the programming or services, you can shoot me an email to info at the dmfirmnyc.com. 
and follow me on Instagram at the DM firm NYC. That's basically it. Just follow me, keep up with the videos and the <laughs> programming and the services. Um, if I get enough people in Canada, I'll change the time frame. I'm super flexible. We can do this however it needs to happen. <laughs> I'm just very passionate about getting the information to entrepreneurs so that way they can be able to build from pre-seed to selling their firms if that's what they want to do. So whether you want to do exit strategies, you want to do buy-sell agreements, you want to create something that's going to be a legacy for your children and your grandchildren, I just want to give you the tools necessary to make those things happen. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I will definitely have her resources in the show notes. And uh, they have to chat with you because there are some startup stuff over here <laughs> and people who can really use what you're offering, especially yes. with that whole, uh, like you said, the exit strategy, like all of those things. I think that could be really valuable to some folks I know out here in our like little tech hub in our province. Of course, I'm, <laughs> That's great. I'm here. I just, once I know that there's a need, I'm like a transformer. I will go and put piece the program, dissect the programs. I have done that so many times. If I get a group of people that are tech folks and they have different questions and someone that is opening up a restaurant or someone that's opening up a hair salon. I have all the tools. I just go in and move some things around, add some stuff here and there, and then we're off to go. We're good to go. Yeah, I will definitely stay in contact with you after this episode. No, uh, Jenny Widely, thank you so much, Tajmir, for coming on the podcast and all the value you shared today and your clear passion for helping people. I really applaud you on that and what you've developed. And I'm so excited for your future with this company. Thank you so much.